Well, today I want to begin this brand new series by telling you about a time around the holidays when I left my wife with a sense of awe and wonder. The week of Thanksgiving 2018, Jalen Noble and I, we went to Wisconsin to visit my family for the, tur- for the day of turkey, as we often do. We landed Monday afternoon in Milwaukee and headed, and headed to spend the night at my sister's family home. Uh, the next day, she asked a favor of us. She asked if we would watch her two younger boys who weren't in school yet so she could go be class mom and help with something at her oldest son's school. I said, of course, we have one daughter. It can't be that much harder to watch two extra boys. Now that, was, that, now that was a ridiculous thing to think, a ridiculous thing to say, but I wanted to put my sister at ease, and so that's what I said. So the next day, we wake up early, we're watching the boys, and sure enough, the youngest son, who was just over a year old at the time, broke one of the few rules that they had. He crawled up the stairs by himself, no big deal. I walked up the stairs, picked him up, and said, hey buddy, you're not supposed to be up the stair- crawling up the stairs without us, let's get you back downstairs. And that's when things went off the rails. That, that is when things started to go really badly. I turned to walk down the steps, and my first step missed the top step, and I began to fall. So I'm falling while holding this toddler nephew, and he somehow, like, I'm falling down, and he fell out, which means somehow he hit his head on the wooden ledge of the landing area atop the steps before we both slid down the stairs on my back and my but now by the time we hit the bottom, I just know like he's screaming naturally and I hope I can calm him down and there would be no calming down because when Jalen met us at the bottom, she quickly said, Chris, is that your blood or his blood? This is a bad situation. This is a bad start to a holiday week, right? Is that your blood or his blood? Bad start. Sure enough, back of nephew's head and my chest and shoulder were covered in blood Turned out to be his blood. He had a big old wound uh, on on the back of his head from hitting that wooden ledge at the top. So Jalen calls 911, and within 10 to 15 minutes, lots and lots of people had arrived. Police, ambulance, firefighters. There was a few people from Animal Control. That's a joke, but it would have been funny. They look at my nephew and advise that he needs to go to the hospital to get stitches to close up this wound. And so my brother-in-law takes him to the hospital and the police stayed around to ask us some questions. And that, again, is where things went off the rails or depending on how you look at it, got awesome. Um, So they asked who Jalen and I were and why we were watching the boys instead of their parents. We said, oh, we're family visiting. They said, what's the reason for your visit? And I jokingly said, apparently, I came into town to hurt small children. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of a police officer taking notes on your responses and they stop writing because what was just said is so ridiculous. I had never had that experience before either but now I have, okay? It's chilling. When, you, when, when a police officer is taking notes and they look up and go like, it is chilling. Jalen looked at them at that point and said, I'm so sorry. When my husband is uncomfortable, he tries to break the tension with humor and usually it makes things much more tense. We're in town to visit family for the holidays. So they conclude their interview and leave and Jalen immediately just looks like locks in. I mean, looks at me and goes, did you just say to a police officer, we flew into town to hurt small children? Are you kidding me? And I said, I mean, I thought he would find it funny. And she goes, he didn't. And I, she said, how, how stupid can you be? I said, 
apparently pretty. And that didn't make her laugh either. And anyway, that's the story of one of the times when I left my wife filled with awe and wonder at the holidays. She wondered how she had married someone like me. Anyway, today we're beginning a brand new Christmas series called Wonderful, talking about what God did with the arrival of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas, Christmas, because here's what I believe. What God brought about with the birth of Jesus should fill us with wonder at the greatness and the goodness of God. What God brought about with the birth of Jesus should fill us with a sense of awe and wonder at the greatness of our God. What God did through Jesus' birth, it should leave us awestruck, dumbstruck, mouth open, staring, scratching our heads, trying to understand and get a grip on just how amazing it is what God did and how he did it. At the same time, at the same time, here's what I know about, about Christmas and here's what you know about Christmas. Over time, we tend to lose our sense of awe and wonder, our sense of awe and our sense of wonder when it comes to Christmas. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, these are the things that I would call the killers of wonder. They're, they're the killers of wonder, the two killers of wonder. They're, they're explanation and repetition. They're explanation and repetition. They're explanation and repetition. Notice you're already getting tired of the repetition of explanation and repetition. Let's talk about explanation for a second. We wonder at things that we can't explain. We wonder, we go, oh, I have awe and wonder about things that we can't explain. The more someone explains Christmas to us, like I'm going to do through this series, the more we feel like we understand it, and the more we feel like we understand it, the less we approach Christmas with a sense of awe and mystery and wide-eyed wonder. So the more Christmas is explained to us, the more we feel like we read about it, the more we hear the Christmas story, the more we like understand about how, what, what the world was like at the time, the more we actually understand it, the less we actually have a sense of wonder about it because explanation can kill our sense of wonder if we're not careful. And the second thing is repetition. Nothing kills wonder like repetition. Repeating something over and over repeating something over and over, repeating something over and over. Get it? I mean, think of it this way. When you were a kid decorating for Christmas, wrapping presents, making Christmas cookies, that was everything. You were so excited about those things. And the older you got, the less that seemed like something to get excited over. And it wasn't because gifts and cookies became less exciting. It was because of the repetition of the whole thing. And that plays into why for some of us, the Christmas story itself may have lost some awe and wonder because you've heard it explained over and over and over and it's been repeated over and over and over. And you know this year in 2022, when you hear the Christmas story read and told, it's gonna be the same thing. Every year, Mary's gonna be a teenage girl terrified at the visit from an angel. This year, like every year, Joseph is gonna think about calling off the marriage until he's visited by an angel. This year, like every year, they're gonna to be told to call the baby Jesus. It's never something exciting like Kim and Kanye naming their baby North, like it's never that. This year, like every year, Jesus is gonna be born a baby boy. I mean, that would be a heck of a reversal if you showed up to church one day and we were like, celebrate the birth of this baby girl. Like, no, we celebrate the baby boy because every time Jesus is born, he's a baby boy. This year, like every year, there will be shepherds who see angels. This year, like every year, there will be wise men who follow a star. Although in two weeks, we're gonna talk about what the star was and why they would have followed it. And it might just blow your mind in a whole new way. So, there, so here's the news. So here's the news as we begin this Christmas story. 
if, if it's possible that explanation and repetition can, can, can actually cause us to lose our sense of wonder, I've got some bad news for you and some good news for you. The news as we begin this Christmas series, wonderful. This year, there's going to be nothing exciting and new, except that what God did through the birth of Jesus brought about something exciting and new for the whole world. This year, there's going to be nothing different in the story, except what God accomplished through the story of Jesus' arrival in the world is so different, we're still trying to wrap our minds around it. This year, there's going to be nothing surprising except it's surprising the lengths that God went to in order to make the message of Christmas unmistakable and clear and personal for everyone, everywhere, for all of time. The message of Christmas, of Jesus' arrival into the world, while there's nothing new to us, and we've heard the story before, and it's all been explained to us before, the message of Jesus' arrival into the world should leave us filled with awe and wonder at the goodness of God, not because what happened in the story is exciting or new or surprising or brand new or twisty because we've never heard it before, but because what God accomplished through the events of Jesus' arrival is so exciting and so brand new and so surprising and so amazing in the world, for the world, for all of time. We're going to look at it, for maybe, just maybe, with some brand new lenses. In Luke chapter 2, verse 4, here's the story of Jesus' birth. So in, starting in verse 4, says this, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. You've heard all of that before. The baby who was promised and foretold to this young, barely married, not yet married, nine months to be sure couple, is born. He's born in a stable because there was no rooms available in Bethlehem. Verse 8 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. In a world full of bad news, this is, this is amazing. In a world full of bad news, good news fills us with wonder like nothing else can. In a world full of bad news, good news fills us with wonder like nothing else can. Our world is full of bad news. Have you noticed that? Did you know our world is full of bad news? It's so full of bad news that bad news doesn't even hit our radar anymore or surprise us anymore. Bad news used to leave us filled with wonder, like, I can't believe things are so bad. And now when we hear about how things bad are, how, if you hear how bad news, when we hear the next bad news, we just go... Huh? What do you expect? It doesn't hit us or surprise us anymore. It's so full of bad news that some bad news that's really bad news doesn't even grab our attention like it used to. Matter of fact, last week as we were driving to Wisconsin, at one point when our girls were asleep, I asked Jalen if she had heard about a particular piece of bad news that had hit my Twitter feed about two weeks earlier, and she hadn't heard about it. And Jalen hears all the bad news. She looked it up and she was like, oh my gosh, this is really bad. How did I not hear about this? 
I mean, in a world full, and the reason she didn't hear about this is because in a world full of bad news, we are so saturated with bad news that slightly worse news doesn't even hit us like it used to, doesn't actually hit us like we used to. It's so, our world is so full of bad news that even when we get some good news, it usually comes with some bad news. Have you noticed this? It's so full of bad news that when we get good news, the good news usually comes with some bad news. Like remember in 2020 and 2021, when we got those stimulus checks, remember that? Remember how good that was? It's like, woo, it seemed like such good news. $1,200 for you, $2,000 for you. Double up on that if you're married, extra if you've got kiddos, such good news. But that good news came with some bad news. It's called inflation in 2022. And everyone who was smart about money knew and saw it coming. Like it was good news that came with bad news. Good news, here's money. Bad news, everything's gonna cost more. It was good news that came with bad news because that's what happens in a bad news world. Even the good news comes with bad news. But into this bad news world, 2,000 years ago, into this bad news world, the angel says to these shepherds standing in a Judean countryside, I've got good news. Not just a little better than the bad news. Not I've got some good news and it's going to come with some bad news. I've got good news, period. I've got good news. It's unmistakably, irresistibly good. It is good news that comes with no bad news. It is good news, and that's shocking to the world that's so full of bad news. But this is why we have a sense of awe and wonder around Christmas, that in the middle of a bad news world, Jesus' birth brought good news. And if you want to know what the good news is that, that, that made them sit up and pay attention, the good news that made them sit up and pay attention, there's three parts that I'm going to read verses 11 and 12 to here, right, right here. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Let me read that one more time. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, what's the good news? The angel says, I've got good news. And here's what it is. Here's what it is. Say, I've got good news. There's three parts of this good news that make it so amazing and so wonderful and so awe-inspiring and fills us and should fill us with wonder. Here are the three pieces of good news that are such good news. Three reasons the good news is such good news. Good news, a savior has been born. Good news, a savior has been born. In the nation of Israel, well-known promises of a savior, of a Messiah, had been going around for at least 500 years, but even longer if you go back to the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the promise of a savior, the promise of one who would break the curse, the promise of one who would reverse the curse, the promise of one who would defeat the evil one. There's promises going back as long as the scripture had been around promises of a, of a savior, of a Messiah. People had been looking for and waiting for a savior for hundreds of years, looking for and waiting for someone who would save them from their tears, their shame, their despair, their past, and oh, you betcha, their present. Everyone in Israel was waiting for and looking for a savior. And on that night in the Judean hillside, God broke the silence and through the angels declared, your wait is over. Your wait is over. You do not have to wait any longer. You do not have to search any longer. You don't have to wonder any longer. The only wondering you have to do is to, to respond with wonder in response to what God has done. The Savior has come. 
He is here. It's, unremar it's unmistakably good news. This is still good news today. We do not have to wait for a savior to come into the world for the world. He has come. He has made his dwelling among us. He lived among us and experienced everything that we experienced. He was born as a baby. He lived as a man. He even died a human death on our behalf. The Savior has come. You do not have to look for him. You do not have to wait for him. The only thing that's left to do is to embrace him and to receive him and welcome him and believe in him and follow him. A Savior has been born and it's good news. But if you want to know why it's even better news, the second part is that a Savior has been born to you for you. A Savior has been born to you and for you. This Savior, this Messiah, He's personal. He is a personal Savior. He is a Savior for you. He has been born to you and he's been born for you. And so to this, the shepherds in this Judean hillside, yes, he came to save the world. And yes, he's the Messiah, the savior of the nation. He came to save the nation and to save the world. But shepherds standing out in a field in, in, in the middle of the darkness, he came to save you. He knows you. He knew where to find you. He knows where to look for you. He knew you'd be right here on this hillside right now. And he sent us angels to come and tell you that he came for you, that he came to you and that he came for you. So the wait is over. The savior that you've long been expecting to come save the nation and to save the world, he has come, but he didn't just come to save the nation and to save the world. He came to save you. He came to save you you. And I love that this proclamation was made to these shepherds. Shepherds were the forgotten in society, the overlooked in society, the overlooked by the powerful, the ignored by the powerful. No one thought to tell the shepherds any good news because the good news usually wasn't good news for them. Good news was for the wealthy and the powerful and the important, not for these young people, these young shepherds, these unclean shepherds. But God looks to the forgotten, the overlooked, and the ignored, and he says, this good news is good news to you, and it's good news for you, because this Savior, he came to you, and he came for you. The God of heaven has not forgotten you, no matter where you find yourself. The God of heaven has not overlooked you, no matter where you find yourself. And the God of heaven has not ignored you, no matter how much you may have ignored him. A Savior has come to you, and a Savior has come for you. This is a better Savior than they even thought possible. This Savior is personal. And this wasn't just for them there. This is for us here today, no matter where you find yourself. The Savior has come to you and the Savior has come for you. No matter how ignored you may be and how overlooked you may be, the Savior has come to you and the Savior has come for you. And the third reason this is such good news is good news, you can find him. Good news, you can find him him. He is not too hard to find. He is not too hard to find for you. Isn't that beautiful? Like, I mean, like he shows up to these shepherds who are uneducated, who don't know much, who, who have, who have kind of only, they're, they're, they're the lowest of the low in society at that point. They're unclean. They don't, they don't, they're not educated. 
they don't really know the city because they've lived out in the country their whole, for, most, for almost their entire lives. I mean, this is the life of a shepherd. And God looks to these people who are uneducated, who don't have a whole lot of stuff going for them, who don't, who don't know much about the ways of the world. All they know is the, they know the ways of sheep more than they know the ways of people. And he says, for you, the Savior is not too hard to find. So here's the thing. In, in the middle of this moment, I think there's something like, you may not have found an education, but you can find the Savior. You may not have found a romantic partner, but you can find a Savior. You may not have figured out and found out how to, how to do parenting real well yet, but you can find a Savior. You may not have figured out marriage yet, but you can find a Savior. You may not have figured out much of life, and you may not still, still be struggling to find your way through a whole lot of the different ways of life, but you can find your Savior. He is not too hard to find. Good news, you don't need a doctorate to find Jesus. Good news, you don't need a master's degree to find Jesus. Good news, you don't even need to have finished your undergrad to find Jesus. Good news, you don't need an associate's degree to find Jesus. Good, even better news, you don't need a high school diploma to find Jesus. Good news, you don't have to have finished any level of schooling to find Jesus. There are no educational requirements to find Jesus. No matter who you are, what your educational experience and job experience and romantic experience and parenting experience, you can find Jesus. He is not too hard to find. Good news, a Savior has been born. Better news, a, good, a Savior has been born to you and for you. And the best news of all, he is not too hard to find. You can find him. There is a Savior. He has been born to you and he has been born for you. And he can be found by you. And that's good news. In a world full of bad news, this is such good news. This should fill us with awe and with wonder. Verse 15 would go on to tell the rest of the story. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed. They were amazed. Would you, wherever you are right now, would you either say it out loud or would you type it into the chat right now? Amazed. And that all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. That word amazed, it's this Greek word, thaumatso. Thaumatso. And the actual, trans the, the best translation of that, I mean, amazed is a good translation, but a, to, a, a deeper sense of what thaumatso means is they wondered, they marveled, they were filled with amazement, they were astonished. They were dumbstruck. I mean, people heard this. You're saying that this chorus of angels showed up in the middle of the Judean hillside outside of Bethlehem to tell a whole bunch of shepherds that the Savior of the world has come into the world and you went and you found things exactly as, like, wow. I mean, they're amazed. They were filled with a sense of astonishment. They marveled at the message. They didn't know what to do with what they were hearing. They were dumbstruck. We don't even really have the words to say. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to think. The people who heard the good news of the first Christmas, that was their response. And why was that their, their response? Verse 20 tells us this. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, 
which were just as they had been told. Just as they were told, a Savior has been born. Just as they were told, a Savior was born to them, and a Savior was born for them. And just as they were told, they found him. It filled them with wonder. And it filled everyone they told with wonder. And maybe, just maybe, for the first time in a long time, that fills you with a sense of wonder. Because for you, the Savior has come. You don't have to wait one more moment for him. He is here now. He is approachable. You don't have to wait for him. You don't have to search for him. You don't have to look to the skies or look to the signs for him. He is here and available to you now. For you, the Savior has come to you, and the Savior has come for you. He is far more personal than you have ever thought. He did not just come to save the world. He did not just come to save one nation. He came to be the Savior of you. And you can find him. He is not too hard to find. And that's the good news of Christmas. And so for someone today watching, this is a moment for you because the Savior has come and the Savior came to you and for you. And he is not too hard for you to find. He is here right now. And in this moment, whether it's in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, on your back porch, wherever you're watching this from, today may just be the moment for you to receive the good news that a Savior has been born and he has come to you and he has come for you and you will find him when you reach out to him, when you, when you confess your sins and you place your faith in him, when you place your faith in his life, that he came into this world to save us from our sins and his resurrection life that invites us to new life in him, that he died for our sins. He died to pay the penalty and save us from our sins. And he rose to new life, inviting us to find and follow him. If you want to be filled with a sense of awe and wonder this Christmas, that's how you do it. You place your trust in the Savior who came into this world, who came into the world to you and for you, and who is not too hard to find. And I'd love for you to make a decision right now today to trust in that Savior, to place your faith in that Savior who came into the world. He is here. He, we're not waiting for him. He is here now for us. But the, the, the Savior who came to you to be your personal Lord and your personal Savior who you can have a personal relationship with and the one who's not too hard to find. He's all over the pages of Scripture. He existed in our world. He experienced everything that we've experienced. And he stands in front of you today saying, I am here for you. And so today, if you'd like to place your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and to be brought back into a relationship with your heavenly father, I would encourage you as I pray to close the message today, would you reach out to your heavenly father? Would you simply say, heavenly father, thank you for Jesus. I confess that I'm a sinner. I admit that I need a savior. I place my trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and to bring me to new life and new relationship with you. It's as simple as that because he is not too hard to find. The savior who came into the world to you and for you is that simple to, put, to build a relationship with. And so today as we pray, if you'd like to make that decision, 
Let's make that decision right now. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the wonder of Christmas. Thank you that a Savior came into the world. Thank you for the good news of Christmas, that the good news is that a Savior has come into the world and that the Savior didn't just come into the world, but he came to us and he came for us. And that the good news is that he is not too hard to find. Thank you that every single one of us, we can know you because of Jesus. We can know you as we find Jesus. And we can find Jesus because he is not too hard to find. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the birth of Jesus, for the arrival of Jesus. The brand new, surprising, exciting, brand new things that it signaled that you were beginning in the world, for the world, and for us. And thank you that because of Jesus, we can find everything that you have for us. So God, today, help us to discover the wonder and the awe of Christmas as we rediscover who you are and the amazing things that Jesus has done for us. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' strong name. Amen.